where I get to chat to interesting people about their game-changing ideas, fresh initiatives and out-of-the-box movements with an eye on the future. Now, anyone who listens to the podcast knows People My Dog Would Like is a podcast that is a bit of a tip of my hat to a smarter, more inclusive, compassionate future. And it's with this in mind that I think pretty carefully about who comes on the show. I look into the work they are doing in their field and how the work they are doing in their own business and with partners honours this mission. I'm always interested when a former guest as well recommends having someone on the show, which is what's happened today. So thanks, Genevieve. You're a sweetheart for bringing today's guest to my attention, which I'm pleased to say is just in time for her book launch, Rethink Creativity, next month. So... I'm super pleased today to be speaking with Monica Kang, a creative educator who is transforming today's workforce through the power of creativity. She is driven by the belief that everyone is innately creative and that creativity can be used to catalyse personal and professional change. She's the founder and CEO of Innovators Box, and she's driven in this role to unlock the store of creativity she feels everyone has within them. Monica works with some of the most innovative companies in the world, including Facebook, IBM, Johns Hopkins University, Booz Allen Hamilton, Georgetown University, etc., etc. Monica's work has been awarded as well across numerous platforms, including at the White House, the Women's Business Enterprise National Council and Ashoka Changemakers. She also works as an adjunct professor at BAU International University where she teaches entrepreneurship and leadership. I mentioned that Monica is author of a new tome in professional circles. It's called Rethink Creativity and I notice she's already got powerful endorsements from a number of senior leaders about how the book is set to be a change maker. It really has the ability to change the way your mindset is around strategy and creativity, providing a reader with tools and guides to help them be their best, most formidable creative selves. We'll be diving into the book a bit in this episode and find out a little bit more about how Monica ticks. I was astounded to find out she'd been a nuclear non-proliferation policy expert. Yes, that's right. And I'm intrigued how one goes from that role to being a creative professional. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you for having me. So how are you in sunny DC? I'm hoping it's sunny over there. It's probably nighttime, right? <laughs> yes, it is. It is sunny DC. Uh, it's actually evening over here, so I'm seeing the sunset. Oh, that sounds sublime. So listen, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, Monica. I'm kind of pumped about talking about the work you've been doing for years in the creativity and strategy space, but I'd really like to know more about you, where you're from, and things like that. So can we nudge back a few years and talk about what led you to doing the work you do today? Of course. Uh, Yeah, I am originally from D.C., uh, and in fact, my family um, 
spent some time in Fairfax, Virginia. So I moved around in the States and spent some time in Korea. I'm Korean American. And I share that because the reason why I got into my first career was having lived in two countries and cultures. I knew international affairs and policy to be something of where I can contribute. I know what it's like to build bridges connect different communities. And so I thought that was my gem. And it was. I loved the work I did. And I specialized eventually in nuclear weapon security, because I found that there was a lack of diversity. I thought, you know, we have all these Northeast Asian security politics, and yet you only see white male talking about it. Uh, that kind of became a motivator to get in the field, um, which led me to where I am now, because what I what motivated me again to look at things differently was even though I loved my job and I had a clear purpose and passion, I felt stuck and limited. And I was tired of people telling me that, you know, Monica, it's normal. (laughs) It's just the way how things are. And I said, you know what, what if it's not normal? What if, what if I could wake up and not feel this limited in a job I really cared about? Um, And so I found a way out. And for me, that was really the creative mindset. And I didn't even recognize what it was until I like tracked back because people were asking me now, whatever you did, you're happier, you're thriving. And so I was sharing insights and having coffee with them. I'm like, you know, I think there's a way I can help more people. And that's where that creativity and innovation in the company and also the book vision came about. And out of interest, did you have a, I mean, we all know that sometimes change comes from, things that aren't necessarily positive in our life. So did you have a really bad day and think, I I don't want to do this anymore? I mean, was there something that actually happened that made you think, this isn't for me? I could do life differently? Absolutely. I would say it was not a bad day. It was almost a bad year. Okay. That really became a point. Um, When you realise you're waking up every day and you're crying to work. Oh, when you can be, and people are just saying like, oh, poo-poo, sorry of you. And I realized I couldn't remember the last day I felt happy waking up anymore. And for me to say that and acknowledge it was hurtful. And it was even more hurtful when people kept telling me, well, Monica, you shouldn't complain because you're better off than other people. Like, you know, I'm still jobless. I still need to find a job. Like, you can't talk about that in front of me or another person yeah, high class problem. So therefore, insignificant, which is which it isn't. I mean, it's a clear issue that obviously some of the stats indicate as well, which is completely disengaged. Yeah, and that's where I got. You know, now that I'm doing the current work, I'm trying to always keep that perspective in mind. Part of the stress and the reason why I think we stay unhappy is because we are constantly used to comparing. And saying that, you know, my stress is maybe not so bad because compared to X, Y, Z, it's not so bad instead of comparing our past and ourselves. Like if I was really honest and compared my past and present more accurately at that time, I might not have gotten so depressed for so long and might have found a way. And I'm glad I eventually found a way out. But when I was going through that, I was just only comparing with people or other things, not with my past. And what do you mean you were comparing other things? Were you comparing yourself to other professionals that you were connected to or maybe not even connected to and and feeling like you weren't achieving what you wanted to achieve? Is that what you mean? Well, more because more in the sense of I feel guilty for myself to complain about it. Yeah. Yeah. Telling me that I shouldn't be complaining. Right. So I'm getting that feedback. 
than me seeing the validation of why I'm getting a chance to travel abroad with my work. Like, that's a good thing. Like, that's what I would want to have. And just missing in that process, uh, I think, was terrible. Yeah. Now, listen, I looked into the stats on disengagement. I mean, you sent me some stuff, but I was looking at the stats in disengagement in professional roles in Australia as well. I've been following them for some time. The stats are similar in Australia. In fact, they're worse in Australia to what they are in the States. And wondered what you felt some of the big issues are that are causing this in the workplace, you know, the disengagement, and what led you to focus on creativity? It goes back to so many people are forgetting how much the value of people come into play. And at the end of the day, no matter what organization it is, what product is created, what service is offered, who we serve, who we work with, it's all built by people, created for other people to be used by other people and bought by other people. Like the people part is part of the equation. And what I came to realize is that so much of disengagement happens because business transaction and development is based so much around that production and we're keep forgetting that people piece. And so small things like, you know, thinking about how that team cohesiveness looks like having a manager that is really supportive and really encouraging diversity of thought and giving space for people to grow, giving encouragement and growth opportunity, having a manager like that and not having a manager like that is a complete different team dynamic even if you have the same innovative product. And I think people forget how much of a vast difference that makes and how much of that makes a difference when you think about every single person having an impact like that. So it's not just the manager's fault. It's not just the junior person or the leadership fault. It's every single person having that ripple effect. And I decided to focus on creativity because what was really missing on top of all of that is that we're so used to doing the things we are expected to do including the way we think about people and including the way we build culture and team development. And if we are not giving space to be creative as a person, which is actually living our full and hundred percent potential, we're really only giving our small percentage of effort. So no wonder the results that you see after certain people are engaged are, you know, are disengaged or not as good because they're only giving their, you know, 10% because they don't want to, you're not appreciating whatever that 10, 15, 30% is and not encouraging them or giving them a space to grow. But for them to do that, they have to feel creative. They need to believe that they're creative and get the support, but also have that motivation. And I think too often companies and workplace just think about what's on paper and data and say, oh, we got to quantify all of this. Like creativity seems hard to quantify. Oh, yeah. The surveys. I mean, new corporate wellness program, check. (laughs) Self-directed learning options, check. how it works. Exactly, but a company rewards program, check. A volunteer day, check. You know, and it's all check, 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 check. But actually, that's, they lose the people in the service. Exactly. And so um, that's why I realized that our work was needed because I understand there's also a lot of great creativity and innovation companies out there. Um, thank God they're at least doing some of the work. But what gave me a motivator was recognizing that whatever everyone is already doing, If we still have over 87% of the population worldwide feeling stuck, but also believing that they're not creative, clearly whatever has been done is not still good enough. So I want to try a different approach. I want to really find a way to take a more holistic approach so that help people understand one first, how they shift their mindset and believe that they're creative because they are creative, but create a space where they can think and relearn that 
and unlearn that skill in a different way. Mm-hmm. So it's not defensive. It's not like an impossible thing. It's not a huge task. But changing one thing at a time that will impact their habit, impact the way they think. Um, like, for instance, think about exercise. I, I'm so fascinated and interested to see like how that movement of like wellness and exercise and good eating habit has changed so much just in the food and health industry in the past 15 years. Yeah. Even in the last like, three, I'm finding it's really starting to get some momentum. Are you? Absolutely. And isn't it shocking to even see that? You know, now scientists and researchers are even coming back and saying, like, we admit back X year, we did said some stupid, we did some research that was not as accurate. And we used to argue that, you know, certain things were more healthy than others. Now we know it's not. Yeah, that's right. There's so much opportunities to learn more. And I think when something's not done right, instead of being frustrated, how do we make that as an opportunity to say, clearly, we've done enough and it's not working. So it's time to try something different. Yeah. If people ask that question. How do you expect the result to change without trying something different? And that's where I saw that it was an opportunity and been a joy to help more people recognize how they can do it by themselves. Listen, you know, I was interested in the IBM survey of the 1,500 CEOs. I think it said it was indicating that 60% of the CEOs value creativity in leadership Mm -hmm. over other qualities now what i'm trying to work out is if it's so high why do you think it's such new territory for people who are clearly struggling to access their creative side you know Mm -hmm. even if it's for the good of the company or themselves and their community i mean the stats indicate that creativity clearly is a win for the company and the individual and yet people seem blocked about accessing it what do you think that's about? Do you feel they don't have permission at work or even in their personal lives? Because it's a if if you really drill down, there's a lot of psychology behind it. I mean, you talk about a mindset shift, and I genuinely believe it is a huge mindset shift for people to access their creativity or feel that they're a creative person. Absolutely. I mean, we I often go back to first being reminded when I have conversations of that part of the whole reason why this problem exists because at the end of the day, you always still have three people being the majority, which is one one group saying that that sounds cool, but you know, I'm not the creative one. Uh, I'm the analytic one. I'm the engineer in the company. I'm the lawyer in the company. So I'm not supposed to be creative. Then you have a second group of people who says like, oh, that's cool. But you know, my job title is, you know, I'm supposed to be the lawyer and I'm supposed to be the critiquing one. I'm not supposed to be the creative one in the office because I'm not an innovative innovator or something my uh, title and then you have the third group of people who says like you know yeah my company talks about it but you know like i don't really see an opportunity for me like we're so busy we got to make sure we get everything done right now there's no ch- yeah we don't have time no, we don't have don't time have for that creativity it, we don't have exactly and so i say that we got to first acknowledge that this problem is happening in the first place that's number one and number two Once we understand this, we have to understand how they got there in the first place. And what I still see as the core thing that we often underestimate is how they got to form those beliefs and perception. You can't change the way how people think about something or build confidence and creativity if you don't know how they first got there. And so I think there's three factors that often influence our belief system. One, what we're exposed to and what we learn, right? And one, what we are told in society and we learn from it by observing and three, what we see directly in our everyday interaction. 
And a workplace is something that you get to witness all three, right? You see from society that what's the innovation and creativity, what kind of perception it seems to be. You see how your colleagues act, even though you might have been pumped at the beginning when you started the organization, and you're seeing how people are actually acting, even though they say creativity, you'll start to kind of want to fit in and make changes because you want to try to be part of it. And as a result, you're making unconscious decisions that even Mm. before you realize you're doing things less or doing certain things more that is taking you away from being creative without even realizing. And the fear something, I guess, is when you get to a point where you don't even remember what it was like when you pivoted, that you made that. So many advice to be shared on the company and culture side, but at the end of the day, like just have to go back to remembering why is it that you really what was it like to be creative? Like you have to understand what it feels like and understand that value. Hmm. It's like health and exercise. If you don't understand the value, no matter how much a good trainer or how much of an amazing book you have in front of you, it's going to be like, eh, that sounds cool, but that I don't need to be healthy. I'm okay. Yeah. You almost need to access that muscle memory that you used to have to think, actually, I want to go back there. I want that. And that's the creative juices as well. And I guess part of the reason why I really wanted you on the show was because I'm so interested in the future of the workplace. And I guess when you talk about the future of the workplace and certainly what I've experienced with some of the senior leaders that I've spoken to and had on the show, it's how important creativity is for the future. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And, I mean, we're in this tech revolution with AI and machine learning and, you know, blockchain. But I do always come down to the human side of mm-hmm. life and that everything is a transaction and everything are, everything is technically enabled, but we're still ultimately human and that is that we're creative. Absolutely. And it's exciting to see how it's being impacted in the future of workplace I think one thing is just that now genuine curiosity of better understanding about creativity in the workplace. This has been no better time than others because I think there's always been curiosity, but now it's been enough time to know what hasn't worked and what has worked. Mm. We have enough experience of companies failing and working. So with that, it has now given better incentive and, and understanding for other companies who might have been fearful in the past to give it a try, which is good but also be more willing to learn. And then on top of that, if they're not willing to learn fast enough, they are already seeing the impact of them not being creative enough and how that's hurting the company. Mm. So they're both proactive and reactive measures that is impacting the workplace, that is bringing creativity and innovation and just doing things more differently and having an open mind. Um, And of course, that directly impacts not just the culture and the people part, but the actual product and the work themselves. And so what's exciting is to see like people now finally recognizing that in addition to, of course, having a more innovative product that users and their consumers can use, but thinking about how that impacts in the way they work internally, questioning more, you know, maybe the way we do our paperwork for human resources can be changed. Mm. Maybe the way we hire people can be changed. You know, maybe the way we actually make decisions can be different mm. and trying to differently whatever small that says you know maybe we should change our meeting time how about we do 15 minutes instead of an hour now or why don't we do an hour instead of 15 minutes because we're not getting any and just as you say that i'm thinking okay you've had a few years at innovators box now you've been involved in some serious you know some seriously uh innovative companies 
What mm-hmm. are one or two of the most standout innovations that have kind of taken place that have involved the work that you've done with the organisation because they've focused on doing something differently, which is creative? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would have, say I should have prompted you before with these, but I thought, you know, <laughs> there must be a couple of really interesting examples where you thought, wow, that was fabulous. And the team walked away high five. Yeah. No, for me, I, I'm really fascinated about the operational changes because I think that's something that most people underestimate and how they change in where they spend time and how they spend time together working, right? Because most often people assume creativity, innovation to be a product, innovation only. And so one of the first things I remind people is that, you know, first you got to remember how that people piece come into play. You believe in creativity and seeing things differently is not just about the product differently. It's the way you work, the way you email, the way you respond to emails, the way you might work with your colleagues who have a different opinion. And so some of the organizational change, I'm working with a company, a tech company right now. We're doing a year long engagement uh, in their department of hundred plus mm-hmm. people in procurement. And as you know, in procurement department, there's all these um, nitty gritty things that is so important to work on and including that department and some of the other clients I see, the consistent thing is then because of the working we do together, I'm giving them opportunities to rethink about their structure of operation that they have never questioned or tried things differently, which of course directly impacts their productivity and effectiveness, but trust building instead of something not working and being upset. Yeah. Considering a different approach, you know, is it that you actually now build a better relationship? You talk to them and you might think like Monica, that doesn't sound really innovative, but in truth, it's, it can be a complete game changer. It's a complete game changer because it's giving everyone the eye of doing one more thing differently. And I would be remiss to not emphasize this, but having also the courage to speak up about these differences and try things differently, even in the face of being shut down. Yeah. And seeing more of that happening um, and seeing how that changes and impacts over time, that that's, that's hugely um, exciting. Yeah, very rewarding for the team watching it as well, I would imagine. I mean, I sometimes think for mindsets to change, you almost need to experience change first. Exactly. And one of the things actually that some of my leaders always share uh, in the follow-up is that they love now seeing their teams actually hanging out more, like actually having lunches, stopping and chatting, yeah. um, having a conversation, opening up. Um, and imagine having that kind of setting when you have a meeting even and not having that. What kind of team project conversation could you I mean, how do you practice creativity, for instance? I mean, this is a a tough one. How do you practice creativity at work when your boss thinks you don't have time for it? Is there a way that it can be inverted so the employee or individual can actually be creative at work? Absolutely. Even if if it's not being endorsed at manager or leadership level? Absolutely. And that's the beautiful part that we emphasise on. Like, it doesn't have to be like a full-blown-out, multiple hour thing all it takes is that per consistency and dedicating at least doing one thing differently at a time and so my favorite activity that i encourage teams to do is dedicating even five minutes a day to do something different 
or even having part of your meeting, if you have an hour meeting, at least the first five minutes, maybe you talk about something different that is usually not meeting related. Maybe it's an article that you talk about, or maybe someone, um, you know, you do an activity together that just gets your mind differently and thinking about it, but also having a space you can share. Five minutes is not a big deal in the long scheme of things, but that five minute in that thinking process can make a huge difference because now you're letting your brain rethink and rekindle just as exercise. Mm. you are giving them space to try something different will help them think in new ways when they work on familiar problems. And ultimately you're helping them be better problem solvers instead of just doing the same old. Yeah. Instead of being a part of a sausage factory, let's face it. It sometimes feels like that. (laughs) If that's something different, doesn't have to be something huge as well. It could be something um, I actually have one of our card games that we actually created as a result of that. It's like, you know, giving different prompts to do something different as including like, just look up two articles that you never would usually read on a, a topic you never would usually read on so that you learn something new. Maybe yeah. the music that you don't know a language. Maybe look up fun facts um, about a country you're on a project you're working on that is not related specifically to that so that you understand the cultural context. Just, you know, five minutes even closing your eyes and unplugging. Like all of those activities make a huge difference. And over the long run, it makes a huge shift. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think what I'm trying to encourage, I mean, I encourage creativity all the time. Even when I started this podcast over a year ago, I was very much thinking, you know, I wasn't using my creative side at work. I was very analytical. I felt like I was just ticking boxes and it's been Mm -hmm. a really fantastic leap for me to be doing it because I've become more myself enjoying the role as well as doing my consulting work and it's fabulous. But when I talk to other people about things that they've been thinking about, like dreams that they think about doing, the risk seems just so big for them and the struggle with bosses perhaps that they don't feel they're enamoured by stop them being or following their dreams and following a more creative path to to doing things and i i guess for me i'm wondering if that's what led you to writing the book because the work you're doing is very is with institutions right but i'm i'm feeling like the book is very individual so people can buy it and they can actually think actually I can take this and do something for myself personally. Absolutely. Everyone is able to make their own change. And I'm excited because um, I'm an organizer by nature. And so as I was writing the book, I thought about kind of three different tiers in the workplace. As an individual, Mm -hmm. um, just trying to figure out and seek growth and get unstuck, number one. Uh, number two audience, kind of, you know, the managers and those who are developing the teams or, you know, trying to work in that team setting and figuring out different ways. And third, that's, you know, the company culture overall. Like how as an individual who's building this company and building this culture, do I have the space to do differently when I'm busy, when I have so many other things, booked meetings all the time? I want them to know that they have the ability to Mm. do it. It might take some time to fully adapt all the mindset, but you can do it one thing at a time. But that trust and that impact will make a huge difference. And not just in life, uh, work, but in life mm-hmm. overall. And 
I, I just can't wait to see um, the transformations and the journey that people will be able to go to and know that you can still be happy in the same job you thought you could never be happy. Like that is a game changer. It's not the job's fault. It's the way we yeah, absolutely. put ourselves in that situation. Yeah. I think it's hard because I think people struggle and give don't give themselves permission to try new things, particularly in a work environment, particularly when they've got job descriptions and they feel they have to tick boxes and it's very process driven. So I do think your book is coming at such a perfect time for people to go out there and have a read of it and give themselves permission to just day by day, even if it's 10 to 15 minutes a day, do something differently, change it up a bit and just see what happens after a few weeks. I do think that they'd find that interesting. Thank you. And I want to piggyback actually on your last comment about the um, limits and challenges. What I also bring about into the surface is that it's not a, creativity does, doesn't mean that you're letting go of the barriers. Being truly creative actually means you, you are aware of all the red tapes are. I, I like to use the analogy of red tape. I think having been in government and all, <laughs> yeah, 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 have all the restrictions, the red tapes, and it's absolutely. I'm not saying that you should just rip that all apart, but knowing where that is, knowing how to play with it, knowing how you can utilize it, that's where the power is. Yeah. Don't let that be the barrier. Use that as part of your information. Yeah, and yeah. you'd rather be. You know, you might want to take a moment to think about. You know. Find something, like, this is one thing I bring up, like, find something. I was going to say, can you give us an example? Something's really black and white that people can kind of understand what you mean? Yeah, so, for instance, like, find an example of something that you were afraid of and terrified 15 years ago. Pick one thing in your mind. Do you still feel the same way about that today? And most people will say, well, probably not, because I'm, you know, I'm an adult or, like, you know, I've changed or, like, I don't. I don't have fear on that. Yeah. That's because your comfort zone has expanded. Your experience has expanded and you've grown to be a different, you know, a different version and a deeper person of who you are. Yeah. That's the way how red tapes could also fluctuate. But knowing that is also helpful because then you're also finding your triggers and cues to make decisions where you know it's within your comfort space, but also knowing how you can expand. And so in the workplace, a good example is let's say, you know, let's say you have a financial restriction. That's a very clear line of how much money you can spend on doing certain things. Yeah, That's a clear red line. You know, in the past, how certain things have helped you do things differently, even within that work scope and things that you have not tried. So that's one pocket of knowledge. The second thing is, you might still have the time to explore if I had a little bit more money, what are other decisions I could have taken? If I had half of that money and hence less money, what are other decisions? And then try all these different approaches to think of all the different options and don't let that I have only, let's say, 10K and that's the only barrier I should be thinking about to problem solve. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's certainly what I'm interested in is you're talking about being within your comfort zone. So, you know, things are happening because you are broadening your comfort zone and therefore you're, I guess you're evolving as a person. Mm -hmm. But I personally feel that evolving does involve a level of discomfort. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. And not enjoying this discomfort, but certainly learning to manage the feelings that people have around being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Because often people will find 
things that aren't familiar very uncomfortable. And, and that could be something that they were scared of or that they were stressed about. But, you know, so I, in a way, I don't know. I mean, are you saying that people become more comfortable in discomfort? Because I guess I'm saying I actually think people become more able to manage discomfort. I don't know whether they become more comfortable. I just, it's a bit like going to a therapist and saying, mm-hmm. I'm healed, I'm so much better. It's like, no, you're not really. You don't, you're not going to not be angry anymore. You're not going to not be sad anymore. You just learn to manage that feeling in a way that goes through you a lot faster. And I guess I feel the same way about this discomfort that you talk about or imp- increasing this comfort zone. For me, I, you, you talk about comfort and becoming more comfortable and I'm like, I don't think people ever become more comfortable. I think they just get better at managing discomfort. <laughs> so that's another area um, of a perfect example of where I am excited to remind that creativity starts with also rethinking about how we think about comfort and discomfort. Yeah. It's not just about looking at creativity differently. It's looking about all these perceptions of perspective we have. So I... I know it works because I've gone through my journey as well. Of course, if you ask people like, will you spend a full year being uncomfortable and in, in discomfort, people say no. Mm. But we also know from our experience, we learn best from our challenges. So there's something about being in discomfort and learning from it yeah. that is powerful. Absolutely. The question is, and this is the key part, how do you marry the two? Like, how do you make sure you have enough opportunity to grow but not go crazy enough that you're driving yourself mad and like i i don't have a safe space anymore that balance is possible only if you know your comfort zone yeah and what that is if you have no understanding of course that's why it feels uncomfortable doing everything but if you understand that at least you have an understanding of like oh you know what today i didn't feel good about that situation because i was out of my comfort zone yeah but, you know, maybe later today I'm going to make sure I, I get back into my comfort space and I'm not going to – I'm going to be antisocial and take some time off. But tomorrow I'm going to, like, recharge again. Or maybe, you know what, I'm not going to be ready tomorrow. I'm going to I'm gonna need to recharge for a few days until I can get back my courage. Yeah. That's good because you know yourself. You're walking your own talk and learning how to space things out. And, of course, by inch by inch, hopefully you'll keep expanding your comfort zone and maybe one time you'll recognize that, oh, you know what? I try to take that huge leap to try that discomfort space and I found that I didn't like it. So I'm going to come back. Yeah. And I guess there's always the option of asking for help. Exactly. You know, there's people around you going, gee, I thought that was a great initiative that you mentioned yesterday and it may be very uncomfortable for the person that mentioned it. And that person can say, hey, yeah, happy to help. What do you need me to do? You know, so you're not alone in trying to try new things. And people, we often feel that, you know, it's embarrassing to ask for help or that, you know, or what if, what if now my colleague thinks that I'm not competent enough? <laughs> what if I think that I'm not smart enough? Yeah, that's exactly what if they think, right. you know, oh, that was such a stupid mistake. I should have not said that. You'll be, you'll be surprised to see how often we all think about that. We probably spend more time worrying about ourselves and, what everyone really thinks about us. <laughs> I know. I often remind myself of how insignificant I really am, Monica. <laughs> I often think it always comes back to me and then I'm thinking, but actually no one really cares, Lizzie. No, it's not. Just end the day and go, hmm, 
I don't think anyone's really thinking about <laughs> what's going on for you, Lizzie. It's more about what's going on for them. I mean, I, I, that's, that's true of anyone, I think, in any situation. And what I'm so excited is that now take that perspective further. The truth, it's also true on the flip side. Because most of us, most of us already know what are the things that we might feel embarrassed about ourselves and what we feel that we're taking more risk and courage. We also probably know better about what we need. Like what we need that we need to be motivated. What are the things that we're going to be inspired by? What are the things that are going to discourage us? When you don't know that, of course, it's harder. Like it's as if like um, saying that, you know, I like every food or every clothes, but don't really know what is your top preference and really your favorites. Like if you have a favorite Let's say taco, for instance. I actually bring this example um, in the story to break down a different analogy. Is let's say you're a foodie and you know you like tacos, but if you have never had a really good taco in your own definition and just like try any taco, then you'll feel like, well, that's cool, but um, I don't know if this is really my favorite food. That feels different when let's say you like taco and then you've tried, even if you tried a bad taco and had a bad taco day, you can say, well, I know at least when I go to, you know, City X at Y restaurant, I could get a good taco. This is just not a good taco. That feels different when you only had bad tacos and that's the perception of all you know, which Mm -hmm. also means if you know you like taco, you have to proactively seek where else there is good taco in essence. If you know that something's not working out, you got to be the proactive person saying like, do I find more mentors? Should I do mm. more things that would try mm. things differently? And don't just wait. Exactly. I love how you're talking about taking responsibility because that's what it is. It's like it's about being self-reflective, but it's also about saying, hey, you're the one that actually needs to do the work, whether that is approaching mentors, whether that is approaching your boss or whether that is you know, initiating some activities that may change the way you do things every day. But it comes down to you. Exactly. And you as a person is going to be very different from the person next to you. No matter how much you love that person and you guys are besties or partners or lovers or family members, you're, you're still different people. I and mean, we all have different fingerprints and we know that. So why do we assume creativity is going to be the same? Like it... it yeah. It's almost like mind-blowing, like in 2018, we still make that assumption, even though we know we're all different people. And I think that's where it's so exciting to now see there's more appetite yeah, and curiosity and willingness to try. And so I'm, I'm grateful. I'm almost grateful that it went through my suffering so that I can relate to this better and understand the huge need. And just understanding that, you know, I know there's all these other innovation creativity, but this way of breaking down was what was missing even for me. Like, I wish there was another company like this that really did this kind of work. I would have let it to death, yeah. but I couldn't find someone who really broke it down for me that I could like, I get it. And yeah. I know how to do it by myself. Yeah. That I found to be missing. And that's where I wanted to fill the gap. Yeah. Well, you certainly have. So listen, when does the book come out? It's called Rethink Creativity. <laughs> I can't yes. wait to get a copy of it. it. I know it's out in September, but I didn't know the date. Certainly I'll put all of the information in the show notes, but why don't you let us know? Yes, please. We are anticipating September 12th to be the big day. 
Okay. Um, I'm still working with my publisher on a few final tweaks. I think the hard copy might be out the following week, but um, I will I will give you the final details on that so that you can plug that in. But September 12th is the big day we're doing the DC book launch party. So by mid So I'm missing the party being in Melbourne. I know. I would like to. I would like to do something in Australia. Maybe, can, maybe someone who's listening can invite me. I know. Well, I wish there was an innovator's box in Australia. There may be versions of it. I certainly think that some of the work that foresight strategists do is very innovative and very creative and strategic. But, yeah, I don't know of an innovator's box here. So I do think you need to visit here, Monica. I would like to. Maybe someone who's listening to this podcast can invite us. And then- <laughs> yes. Should I, should I put it here so make it happen? Well, I love it. People often contact me that are convening or, uh, you know, convening (laughs) events and they're saying, who would you like, who do you think would be a great guest speaker? And I'm all for more women talking in the innovation space in the future. So I'm certainly going to be putting your name forward to a couple of organisers to um, see if they can bring you down here. But, you know, I mean, you've been working on this book and it is launching soon. I expect it to be a raging success but I get the impression that you don't sit still for long Monica yes, I am. I'm wondering if you're already working on your next project actually I am how did you go from nuclear non-proliferation <laughs> policy like, expert I wrote a note how did you do that I'm like whoa that is so wild thank you I put a note of like did I already tell her that I'm working on my book <laughs> couldn't remember no um, I'm actually so you're working on another one yes I got the book bug um for those who have already had it before uh, it's just been such a great journey for me. I've learned so much from the process. And what yeah. I'm excited is that as I was writing this first book and through all the work I've been doing through Innovators Boxes, I get to have the pleasure and opportunity to work and learn across all these different industries who are seeking to be more creative. Mm-hmm. And so I firsthand get to meet all these different companies, industry leaders, and what I realized is that even outside of my work and even through my work, we all end up talking about talent in the workplace. Yeah. And that's where I realized even though book one will be a great resource and tool to build that creative mindset, I really want to dig deeper into that workplace talent problem and opportunity. And so I'm actually conducting a series of interviews uh, with a handful of folks as part of the research. I just did two more today and hoping to get that out next year. And I'm also working on another book that is a fiction because I want to challenge myself. Oh, fantastic. That's gorgeous. Thank you. Walking my own talk of doing something different. I really want to ultimately help tackle and shift that narrative on creativity of helping the 87% be happier, more creative, and not be stuck. I need to take a different approach to keep pushing that message out there. So. Yeah, that's my goal. That's my. I'm putting that declaration out there. I've been advised that don't keep talking about it because you got to work to do. But I put my declaration because I'm committed to this work, and um, I I don't know how long it will take, but I hope to hopefully have it out in two years. So that's my declaration. Fabulous. I in the works, and well, it's an incredibly worthy cause because I do think there is such a block at the moment. I do think we are going from one way of being and working to a completely new way of working and I do think creativity is going to be at the hub of that so I am really really pleased 
I've had an opportunity to have a chat with you about it today. You're just a sweetheart for coming on and talking about it. Thank you. And thank you so much for your thoughtful questions. This was so much fun. I wish it was in person. It would have been so much more fun. I know. I know. If only I could fly over every time I wanted to talk to someone in the States, it would just be fab, Monica. But listen, I need to say about the States, how's everything going over there? I mean, we do sit back sometimes and watch the headlines and we just go, really? Really? It seems, I mean, every week it's slightly more obscure. What's it like on the ground in Washington, D.C.? I think first we do the same thing, what you just did. <laughs> it's not just us, is it? Because we think, we wow, the fact that they even give it airtime is kind of weird because it's so, some of the news is so extreme. Yeah, we uh, we do the same thing, I think. And this is where I it's going to probably impact in that bigger conversation and the talent and how people are learning and observing things is yeah. you either have, I think, an extreme community who are proactively communicating all their thoughts and emotions and perspective online, but how is that actually impacting the real policy work and actionable action? Yeah. There's one thing about action on tweeting and talking on social media versus actionable steps you can take, like voting and like... And do you feel that that's happening on the ground? Because I, I worry about it. I think it's all very well to like and retweet something, but that doesn't actually change policy. Exactly. And so that's one of the problems is what I'm observing. And number two, because you, it's like the bad, big bad wolf is in the town. It's like, you know, the wolf's coming, the wolf's coming. Keep saying that. I'm like, by the time it really shows up, it's like, sorry, we heard that like seven times. We don't care anymore. Yeah. Really too late. And that's what I think it's worrisome is that we're going to get so used to these things that I, it could be a problem. The optimistic part is because of all this disruption, it has really opened up a huge channel mm -hmm. as well as leaders who are really pushing the boundaries and even traditional companies and industries asking that question, you know, we can't survive or we can't go through this in the same way we always did because it's really just not going to work anymore. Mm -hmm. And that I think is where the positive opportunity is because it's just not going to work the same way it has been done before mm. so that's where i'm looking forward to seeing more um we'll see which one outweighs more but you know i'm optimistic so i'm right there <laughs> well, i don't know i'm a big believer in physics and i'm a big believer in pendulums so i just keep thinking about that pendulum and going well it's swinging pretty high up in a weird direction so i'm really yeah. looking forward to it swinging back because yeah, physics exists, and I just don't think it will keep swinging and swinging away in an, in an obscure yeah. way the way it has. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention who the person is yeah, that I'm talking about. But I think we, we all are. know. We all know who we're talking about, then, Monica. Okay, my dear. Well, listen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. As I said. Any of the references that we've talked about in the episode, I'll put in the show notes. But was there anything else that you wanted to add before we said our goodbyes? Yes. One thing I would recommend is if you forget everything and anything, just remember that creativity takes courage. And please do not discredit your creativity or anyone else's and keep that courage piece into mind. Yes, it's great innovation. Yes, it's great product. It might, yes, productivity effectiveness. But like the first step, it takes courage to do something different. And I think when we remember that, hopefully we'll give more space for other people to take that courage, but also for ourselves and give ourselves permission to take that courage. I love that. That was very powerful. I love it. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of that information about creativity. I will certainly be promoting the book when it comes out. I can't wait to see what you've got in it for all of the readers out there. I understand that there's some brilliant tasks and activities that they can take on board, so it's a really pragmatic approach as well. So, again, you're a little star and it's been lovely chatting to you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. As always, thanks for listening to People My Dog Would Like today. I hope you're enjoying the episodes as much as I do making them. And, of course, I hope you are gunning it by diving into our future trends and how the little hacks and big hacks you can employ to help you embrace the future and all that entails professionally and personally is so important right now. If you like the show, let others know about it by sharing it and or rating and reviewing it on iTunes. So if you have a minute, get online and rate it today so you can help me reach more listeners every week. Don't forget, you can always connect directly with me through my website, lizziemetham.com, and I'm always interested to hear from you about what you want to learn more about or somebody you think would be great on the show. So let me know, okay? Until next week, peeps. Enjoy life.